The WBEN All Local. All Local. A daily look at what's happening in Buffalo, Western New York, and the world. Along with Brian Mazurowski, I'm Susan Rose. Last night, Amherst residents gathering at a town board meeting to speak out against the 2024 budget that raises the tax levy by 11.4%. Where has growth of the tax base gotten us? Amherst has had substantial development over the years, more than most surrounding municipalities. Yet they are not raising taxes by anything near 11%, and ours have not dropped any, any over the years, but been similar to the others. If development is building the tax base so much, why is the tax rate not only rising, but rising so much? Shouldn't we be getting tax breaks by now with all the development that's happened in Amherst? No more, 11.4. How do you feel about term limits for the town of Amherst? Would you like to abolish those, or how do you feel about that? Answering the question, you're out of order. There is no out of order. (laughs) You're kidding me, I'm out of order? Am I out of order, Brian Culpa? Dennis, I think that you need to re, re you can, uh, you right, can post you. questions. My time's limited. Thank you. Thank you. I'll, no, I'll ask by, by, by Sean by Lavin. Would you like to Sean Lavin? Would you like to answer that question, please? Dennis. Sean, you look like you're half asleep up there. Dennis, would you would you like to answer that question, Sean Lavin? All right, getting a little testy over there in Amherst last night at the town board meeting. The response by the town and the citizens' budget overview would be to take the budget, make it easier to read, taking over 200 pages, uh, distilling that down to about two in the future so residents could understand what exactly is in the budget before it passes. We'll be bringing you more updates on that throughout the morning. The governor speaking out on pushback to the project to cover a portion of the 33 while in western New York yesterday. Here's WBEN's Brayton Wilson. New York Governor Kathy Hochul is among a number of local lawmakers and others from Buffalo who have spoken very highly of the proposed Kensington Expressway project for East Buffalo. It was Governor Hochul who helped push the project into action soon after she took over as governor in August of 2021, and she continues to be bold in trying to piece communities back together. The genesis of this is at least 30 years old. The Rock organization from the community members been spearheading this intensely for 15 years, and I thank them and Crystal People Stokes, the majority leader, for really bringing this to my attention right as I became new governor. And this was an important part of my first announcement of what we're doing for Western New York was $1 billion to really right the wrongs of the past and to bring together a divided community that had no political power back in the 1950s when the decision was made to uh, sever the artery of this vibrant community. However, the latest opposition to the project comes in the form of a lawsuit filed by Humboldt Parkway resident Terry Robinson, who is the, however, the latest opposition to the project comes in the form of a lawsuit filed by Humboldt Parkway resident Terry Robinson, who is suing the state DOT for not being compliant with the Seeker Act and its regulations. He feels the best option for the Kensington Expressway is to fill it in, believing it would cost just one-tenth of the $1 billion projected total for the project. In addition, he believes the different monies could be allocated to things that need to be done to change the economic landscape for East Buffalo and to restore the city of Buffalo to greatness. However, as State Assembly Majority Leader Crystal People-Stokes reminded residents last month. The state money for this project is transportation money, which means if it's not invested on the Kensington Expressway, it will go somewhere else in the state. We don't want to lose these resources and no, you cannot use transportation money to build housing. No, you cannot use transportation money to open supermarkets or to build businesses. You can only use it for transportation. And I don't think it should be denied them because other people disagree. More
More from Hochul on Monday regarding the Kensington Expressway project is available for you online. Brayton Wilson, WBEN.com News. All right, Brayton, thank you. New policy from the Vatican would allow Catholic priests to bless same-sex couples. Pope Francis announcing the radical change yesterday. It's aimed at making the church more inclusive while still maintaining its strict ban on gay marriage. Father James Martin is a priest and writer, says he's looking forward to blessing same-sex unions. People who are in um, same-sex unions who have been married, you know, legally, let's say they say, you know, come, come to the park and, you know, do a little blessing for us. That's a big deal. And look, I could not do that publicly before. I was not permitted to do that. And now I am. Things changing. We'll be talking about this a little bit later on this morning. Father Paul Seil with the Newman Center at UB, joining us in the 8 o'clock hour. It's crunch time at post offices all across western New York. WBEN's Tom Puckett checks in on how they're dealing with the holiday rush. It's our Super Bowl. Mark Lawrence with the U.S. Postal Service. Last year, we processed nearly 12 billion packages and pieces of mail from Thanksgiving till the end of December, and uh, this year we're looking to uh, exceed that volume. So we're... uh, we're rocking and rolling, and it's super busy. Lawrence urges customers to mail early and often. If you still have some things to go out, priority mail, our deadline for priority mail, which is our two- to three-day service, is December the 20th. And for our priority mail express, that is our next-day service, that is December the 21st. Lawrence says there's one money-saving difference for you this year. Hear about that online. Tom Puckett, WBEN.com News. All right, Pat, Tom, thank you. I was at the post office yesterday. I saw a long line. Well, I thought, okay, this is it. You got to know the ones to go to, I think. But I was I was out of there within 10 minutes. Really? Well, that's and good. I was really surprised. The thing about the post office is I feel like there's two types of people. There's people who use the post office a lot. They know exactly what to do when they go in there. Uh, and then the other type of person is me, who uh, I don't, I, you know, I don't know. How much yeah. does it cost to ship this? I just... Here, can can you help me out? Like, I, I, I don't know any of the rules, anything like that. And then it might take a while, uh, unless you have a really good post office, which I do around yeah. the corner for me. They help me out all the nice. time. Nice. Well, they have the automated, you know, machine where you can do your own. You Ooh. don't have to go to the counter. But when I saw customers helping each other at the machine, yeah. I thought, that's not the line I want to be in. <laughs> <laughs> like the self-checkout? Yeah. No, no, you push. Right. That and you got to remove your hand from the scale. Oh, yeah. I saw that, that going on and I thought, no, I'll go right to the counter. And it actually worked out well. Yeah, it kind of makes sense. Well, good. Uh, hopefully, everyone has a similar experience. It's crunch time there. Your exclusive WBEN 7 weather forecast. Light to moderate snow early this morning. That snow will taper off. A little sun will peek through the clouds later today with temperatures near 30. Now, tonight, expect partly cloudy skies. It's going to be chilly. Overnight lows in the mid 20s. On Wednesday, mix of sun and clouds. High in the upper 30s, partly cloudy, low to mid 30s on Thursday. With your exclusive WBEN 7 weather forecast, I'm Chief Meteorologist Aaron Minkowski. Kathy Creighton is joining us on the WBEN Trocare College Live Line. She's a former National Labor Relations Board attorney with Cornell in Buffalo, and we're looking at unionization efforts around Western New York. We're seeing a big push right now of a lot of smaller workplaces, Kathy. Do you think this all stems from the Starbucks push to unionize that began in Buffalo a few years ago. Well, good morning, and thanks for having me. Um, Well, don't forget, Buffalo is the highest unionized city in the United States. We have a substantially unionized workforce in Buffalo, and so it wasn't a terrible surprise that um, the the labor movement sort of relaunch would come from Buffalo. It's 
something I think we can be proud of. Um, and so when Starbucks workers, um, which actually it was the spot coffee workers predated them for organizing in Buffalo. Um, and since then, the Starbucks workers, I think showing that you could organize um, against a large employer uh, really sort of galvanized the American public. And so what we're seeing is just a large, a large sort of shift in public thinking and in worker thinking about how uh, unions can help workers achieve better wages and benefits. And we're seeing it in a lot of different settings, Kathy, right? So yesterday we heard uh, workers at Riches uh, say that they're looking to unionize. Uh, Last week, it was workers at the new AKG Museum, the former Albright-Knox Art Museum, uh, who say they're looking to form some sort of a union. You had Elmwood Tacos and Subs, uh, right, saying that uh, Lexington Co-op workers are looking. So these are companies, big, small, medium, everybody looking to organize. But when it comes to the size of the company, how does that, or maybe does it at all, matter when taking these steps? It really, what matters more than the size of the company, of course, a bigger company has greater resources if they want to fight the union um, effort of their employees. Um, but really what what matters more than the size is just the attitude that the employer comes to when its employees say that they want to form a union um, in their workplace. And if an employer is dead set against it, then it can just become a very contentious and stressful workplace um, that really doesn't work to the benefit of either the workers or the employer in the long run. You know, you had mentioned before that Starbucks kind of galvanized the public. Isn't it ironic that Starbucks still doesn't have a contract? They haven't been able to bargain one for one. Right. So Starbucks has, even though Starbucks recently said that it would begin bargaining again, it will not agree to allow um, workers to join by Zoom. And so I believe that's what's stalling the bargaining for a period of time because workers um, are coming from different parts of the country to join bargaining and it's not feasible that they come in person. Um, if if the American public had a perfect understanding of the state of our labor law in the United States, they would understand why the workers and Starbucks have been unable to get a contract. And really what it is is that under, you know, our public uh, private sector labor law is all uh, covered by the National Labor Relations Act. That was a statute that was passed in 1935. It covers every private sector worker in America. And what it says is that once you you organize a workplace, there is no requirement that the parties reach a contract. So you have an obligation to sit and bargain in good faith, but there's no obligation that the parties reach an agreement. So it's sometimes very, very difficult to force the employer to reach an agreement. When you hear uh, some of the workers who are uh, looking to form a union at their place of business, do you feel that a lot of these workers know exactly the benefits that a union can offer, or do they oftentimes have maybe different problems within the workplace that they're just kind of looking, all right, maybe a union is the right answer, uh, but it might not necessarily solve all their problems. You know, for example, some people might want uh, a higher pay, uh, but others are looking for, you know, as we heard uh, with Starbucks workers, like they're looking for a 
a more consistent level of staffing, or, uh, for example. Uh, right. Are they all looking at the right place? There's really, I mean, just think of yourself as a worker in a workplace. It's very hard to get things done individually. So if you feel that you're working in an unsafe workplace where there's really unsafe things are happening and you go to the boss and complain, it's very hard to get a change without having all of your coworkers kind of behind you together in solidarity. So that is really why so many workers now, I think, are turning towards um, the union. And with the increased exposure to unions from the media, like we're having this conversation this morning, um, and the, the very powerful message of young people, especially um, in the Starbucks Workers United, um, which is actually what, what Workers United is the group that now is um, Rich's uh, Workers United and Albright Knox Workers United, so that there's a strain through there of many young people who are, you know, really kind of unable to make ends meet. And they're looking at a myriad of ways to express their voice at work. So the union is really the only legal method that we have in the U.S. to express your, your worker voice at work in a way that's um, louder than just an individual worker voice. I'm wondering if getting an employer's support just for the right to organize, is that half the battle? Well, many employers um, don't feel that they want a, a union in their workplace because they feel like they're, they would be relinquishing some of their authority in the workplace. At Cornell, we've done a number of studies, and we're not alone in our studies, that show that a unionized workforce can bring a lot of benefits to employers. It leads to much uh, greater retention and attraction of employees in a unionized workplace. Unionized workers generally earn more money and have better benefits. They have less social problems because they're earning a wage that can support themselves more likely than their families. And then interesting things that a unionized workforce is more civic minded. They volunteer more. Um, they participate in their community more. Um, they vote more often. So a unionized workforce sort of brings up uh, all of these other civic, um, what we've, you know, have sort of been cast aside, our civic duties, um, you'll see more in a, in a unionized workforce. Well, Kathy, okay. we appreciate the time this morning. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Kathy Creighton uh, joining us on the Trocare College live line from Cornell in Buffalo, former NLRB labor attorney. That's the WBEN All Local. All new episodes are made available each weekday morning, produced by the award-winning WBEN Newsroom.